welcome to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. My curious colleagues, we have a bit of an exciting global episode for you. This week, my guests are my colleagues and leaders from both SOCAP Australia, yes, you heard correctly, SOCAP Australia, as well as SOCAP USA. And for many of you, you know that SOCAP stands for the Society of Consumer Affairs Professionals. We have a lot to get into, so let's get started. And welcome, everybody. Feel free to introduce yourselves when you speak. Um, okay, so invariably, when you're looking at global organizations of any kind, right, and look, you know, comparing and contrasting, there's going to be some similarities and some differences. Let's start there, panel. Feel free to introduce yourself. So let's take a minute and acknowledge some of the differences in the membership. Oh, thanks, Denise. I'm Fiona Brown, the CEO of SOCAP Australia, and thanks so much for having us all here today. What a great opportunity. SOCAP Australia has almost 3,000 members, and our members are mainly within financial services, um, uh, industry insurance, um, energy, uh, utilities, transport, FMCG, and government agencies and ombudsmen. Um, We really focus on complaints handling and dispute resolution. We have uh, so many synergies with our US counterparts, so many similar brands as well. Uh, I think maybe some of the subtle differences, because I think we are so aligned, but some of the subtle differences probably stem from our different um, uh, countries' legislation systems. We have a system where, in terms of our consumer laws, we have many um, state and federal laws, and we do work through to um, some fair trading and ombudsman systems, which might be slightly different to the way um, the US operates as well. Thanks, Denise. I'm Marie Shubin. I'm the CEO of SOCAP USA. Um, I, it's really exciting to be here with John and with Fiona because we have a lot of things that are in common for our organizations and some differences, of course, as well. Fiona has identified a few of the differences. One difference, I think, in the U.S. that she did not touch on is that mo- the majority of the members in the SOCAP USA are from the um, product manufacturing companies, service companies, car manufacturers, and so forth. A lot of our origin came from that consumer products background. We started out before there was any kind of legislation for consumer affairs, and we were just uh, an organization that was trying to help uh, companies do the right thing when a consumer had a complaint. So a lot of our origin came from that um, manufacturing and and automotive um, space. Over the years, we've evolved and we've gotten much more into other things like um, finances and healthcare and some of the other things. But but, um, one of our basic differences, I think, is just the origin coming out of the consumer product space. How about similarities between the two organizations? 
so many similarities and and that's really lovely and and so many opportunities to collaborate which we're doing um so so much of uh this year as well definitely the the biggest similarity is the passion of our membership around service for fair and effective outcomes for members all of our socap members no matter where their footprint is is around making sure that the customer interaction that they're having with that organisation is a good one. So how do um, we help our members um, with supporting that service interaction? How do we help um, our members when um, that service interaction is in terms of complaint or a dispute? Um, and really looking after those key areas of fairness, um, looking after um, consumers who might be having um, areas of vulnerability. And I think that's some of the things that we do have very closely aligned, um, making sure that our members are working to best practice around um, communications, around um, adhering to laws. Um, and of course, one of the other great things that we do is really have great networking opportunities so that we can really collaborate amongst our membership as well. And, and I'd like to add to that as well that I think one of our one of our biggest similarities in our organizations besides the passion is that we are organizations that strive to educate our members. Both of our of both of our associations have strong programs on training and development at all levels, from the first level frontline agent up to the most senior executive in the consumer affairs space. We offer training and, and programming for all of those, and we use the other the other thing is that we use the latest technologies. We try to make available to our members. Um, the most available technology so that they can serve their consumers um, most effectively. Over the years, the um, industry has evolved. It's from letter writing to and phones to all kinds of other electronic media, social media, chat, texting, etc. And our organizations have provided training on how best to approach those kinds of resolutions and how best to communicate to consumers within those mediums. Yeah, a lot of great reasons to consider being a member for both organizations, for sure, for sure. So um, one of the things that Australia's got on the docket for this month is celebrating World Consumer Rights Day. Um, so would you, anyone can start this one, would you like to tell us about the World Consumer Rights Day a bit? Sure, Denise. Um, this is John Cox. I'm the uh, 2022 chair for SOCAP in the U.S. Um, happy to be here and thanks for having us. This is a great opportunity for us to collaborate here with two organizations striving to make uh, our professional lives um, much better. So uh, so the World Consumer Rights Day uh, started uh, here in the U.S. as the, Bill of, as the Consumer Bill of Rights uh, back in the era uh, with President Kennedy. And it started with four rights, and, and later on down the line, they added four more. So we've got a total of eight uh, consumer rights at this point. Fiona, can you build on that at all and kind of where it's gone or where it is now? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So each... 
Yeah, so each year, thanks so much, John. Each year, um, World Consumer Rights Day focus on, focuses on a particular theme um, of importance to consumers right around the world. Um, some of them in the past have been around um, uh, sustainable consumers, tackling plastic, um, uh, good phone service, those types of really important issues that um, make a difference to the everyday lives of consumers. And this year it is around um, fair digital finance um, and it really is an opportunity for businesses to look at what fair digital finance means for the way they operate and provide services and what that means for consumers who are more and more opting in, in some uh, cases, to um, becoming far more digitised in their um, take-up of financial services. John, what's cooking in the US that's some of, uh, you know, of concern right now, kind of building on, on what Fiona was mentioning? Yeah, sure. I think, I think you know, I think, you know, definitely there's a there's a global concern for consumer data privacy. And I think Marie alluded to it a little bit earlier, how the U.S., um, before we get on, how the U.S. doesn't have a, a national standard um, for cons consumer data privacy. Um, you know, but right now, you know, CCPA is, is a big hot ticket uh, here here in the States. Uh, you know, making sure the date, you know, making sure data privacy, personal information isn't stolen uh, or reused for, for any type of fraudulent scheme. Uh, you know, uh, at SOCAP, we, we, try, we try to have speakers to help educate our members on data privacy best practices. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a great event uh, last fall specific to that. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and one of the things that, that we've seen, I think, across a lot of companies here in the U.S., is that many companies have reduced the, the information that they're collecting and requiring in their email forms and their chat forms uh, in order to, to sort of help minimize and, and, and really um, show the consumer that they're, that they're aligned with the, the privacy concerns that they have. Any other thoughts on that, this topic, Marie? What, one of the thoughts that I had about this too is that the pandemic rushed us into technologies that not all companies were quite ready for. And we did it under duress and in a crunch because the pandemic restricted in-person, face-to-face and other methods. And it put a burden on an awful lot of retailers to develop means for customers to shop without being in the stores and to exchange goods without, being, without taking it back to the store, things like that, which put uh, an awful lot of things into the digital space that perhaps were not um, quite ready to go there yet. And so companies have been forced to come up with, with solutions very quickly to manage the digital space for all sorts of things, not just the financial piece of it. But of course, when you, when you buy something, that's a financial transaction. But going beyond that to the, to the whole notion of exchanges or returns or delivery services, all of those things that have become um, available in the digital space now, um, have assumed that most people have access to digital devices, and there, but it, but not everybody does. In the states, there are still people who don't have smartphones. They they don't have laptops and iPads and so forth. And as a result, we've we have found in in the U.S. that we still have to keep all of the channels open, regardless of how advanced the technology seems to be pushing us. So most of the consumer affairs organizations. Um, that are our members 
still take paper mail. They still take phone calls. They still take email. They even take faxes. Even though it seems like the whole world is moving to text and chat and so forth, not everybody has that access. So we have to keep all of the channels open and it's become very additive. This, this uh, consumer affairs departments have had this additive climate. Every time a new channel is opened up, it adds to the existing ones. And because of disparity in what consumers have access to, we have to keep all of those channels open. And what that does for associations such as ours is it creates a, a constant need for training and retraining and rethinking how processes are made. Every change that you put in, whether it's a new technology or whether it's a refinement of an older process, requires changes to the people's training, which requires changes to um, process and to the technology itself. So we're always in a state of constant evolution. Anything to add, uh, Fiona, in terms of like all this digital stuff going on that Marie outlined over on your, your end of the world and how your organization can help address some of this? Pardon me, I didn't mean to talk over you and how, and how your organization can address some of this and support. Yeah, absolutely agree with everything that both John and um, Marie have said, that this world is changing and yes, more and more things have been added on and I think we did all get that push as a result of the pandemic. We know though that those who um, are already going through vulnerable circumstances throughout the pandemic, unfortunately are, um, are becoming more vulnerable. We know therefore that our members in creating these new services must, as Marie said, make sure that in adding more services can't just sweep aside some of the previous services, that they really need to make sure that they are um, looking at all channels and making sure all channels of communication and information sharing are open to members. Um, one of the things that our members are absolutely working on too are around um, literacy, both financial literacy and organisational and product literacy as well, um, that making sure consumers know as much as they can before they make product um, uh, choice decisions around what it is that they're getting from an organisation, being aware of scams and phishing and the use of data as well. And many of our members are really involved in big programs of work to identify um, uh, areas of abuse around uh, data um, to make sure that uh, their consumers can utilise these new systems in the best possible ways as well. And I think we know that um, the pandemic, albeit we, we believe and hope that things are getting to a new state for all of us, but we do recognise that people who are already in vulnerable circumstances, that that pathway back um, still need a lot of nurture and care as well. And uh, making sure, as we said, that all opportunities to engage them in a full and meaningful conversation with organisations is so important. And again, that's just one of the many things that SOCAP Oz and um, SOCAP US does as well, to make sure that our members are cognizant of that and how we can support them in doing that. Right, thank you for that. Let's talk about um, diversity and what the organizations are kind of doing in that area. John? You know, the diversity of the and the contact center employees and our membership is, is quite unique. And 
you know, as Marie, as Marie sort of hit on in the beginning of, of the conversation, right, we, we like to provide uh, training and, and, and development from everyone from the front line to the very, to the very highest, uh, you know, level of leaders in, in the consumer affairs, customer service experience uh, field. And, and, and so we'd like to recognize that and address all the needs uh, of our highly diverse uh, member population that we serve, uh, that we serve, um, that we serve. I'd like to add on to that as well. We have some diversity DEI training that we just just sponsored through our association here, but we also do it do things like to address some of the more vulnerable populations, as as Fiona was referring to. One of the things that SoCap US has worked on over the last few years is um, some training about different age groups. We've had training on, around. Um, hand, handling calls and communications with millennials, what their expectations are like. Um, we've also had some training with um, uh, the aging po about the aging population and what their requirements are. And some things are very, um, uh, are very simple, like having larger print on the, on your labels or having, or having larger print on your letters and correspondence to your to the consumer who's part of the aging population simply to make it easier for them to read. We've had training in, in working with all of the different sectors, but also not just in the responding, but in making it easy for them to access us, making sure that our toll-free numbers are large, print on packaging, making sure that the websites are easy to read and understand and things like that so that um, no matter how old your eyes are, you can still see a, a means to get a hold of one of the companies that um, is a, one of our members. The other thing I'd like to mention is that in the contact centers, most of our member contact centers offer training to their agents on various types of service, not just the complaint handling. Everyone typically thinks of consumer affairs as being complaint handling, but for the in the States, a good portion of the communications received in the contact center are inquiries and praise and training on inquiries about the product or the service or um, how a product works or how, where, you know, what are the pros and cons for given items? Those are the kinds of things that alleviate consumer stress that make our consumers feel more informed. And we spend, you know, quite a lot of, of time training people on, on products and how things work, how they're supposed to work. Um, if they don't work, what are the what are the remedies and solutions for that? So I think helping people to understand their purchases before they make them, and when they make them, so that they get the most value for their for their um, purchase, is is as equally as important as dealing with a complaint. Right. Right. I call that holding consumers' hands. And yes. let's see, in the U.S., we've had to do a lot of that with consumers unable to find their favorite products on the shelves um, and, and so on. But that definitely is one of those inquiry categories. During the pandemic, that's a, a really good example, unable to find your products, because during the pandemic in the States with the supply chain slowdowns, it's been very difficult for people to find the products that they typically buy and use. Mm -hmm. And I know that a couple of our food companies have been having um, having uh, to offer up different solutions. If you can't get X product, you have to use Y product and that changes the recipe. So there's been a lot of cross training on that kind of, um, that kind of event 
but it's the kind of thing that we have to be prepared for that was brought about by an unknown, the supply chain um, crisis. And those are the kinds of things that our organizations have had to step up and give training for. If you can't, if you, if you have those kinds of solutions, where will you get the training for it? And that's with organizations like ours. I was going to say, and look, and that just shows, again, so many of the similarities that both of our organisations are doing to support our members and also the issues that our members are going through as well. Those supply chain issues very high on our agenda for our FMCG members and how they coped with that and um, how they coped with that with consumers, absolutely. Um, and to the issue of um, diversity and inclusion, certainly um, that's a big area of focus for all of our membership around services inclusion, um, not only understanding the, the differences of, uh, of uh, the range of consumers, but how do we make sure we support them in a way that is meaningful for them, being able to identify needs mm -hmm. um, and providing um, uh, the, the service that is absolutely right at the right time for uh, those consumers and also we provide um, service uh, training around that and also unconscious bias which has been something that we've all spoken about um, for many years but really what does that mean in terms of providing service as well so there's a lot of great work that's being done across both organizations here um, to make sure mm -hmm. that our members are really being able to uh, focus on the specific needs of the consumer no matter who they are, where they are, and what they're going through so that we can really have those one-on-one -on -one really important um, conversations that's needed at that point of call. Yeah. One of the things that, that I would like to, to raise too is that when Fiona approached us about World Consumer Rights Day, um, we thought it was a, a, a really worthwhile endeavor right now because People need to be reminded that they do have consumer rights, that there is a consumer bill of rights operating in our country as well as many other countries, and that they do have um, options. And by contacting some of our companies through the consumer affairs departments and so forth, we can help them get on the right path to solving their problems. But they have to first be aware of it. So celebrating um, World Consumer Rights Day is one way to place that into the forefront and get get that out to the public a little bit more. Yeah, it was it was new to me, to be perfectly honest, that particular day. I mean, I knew mm -hmm. of our Bill of Rights, so I appreciate us having this conversation. You know, we're getting close to the end here. I want to wrap up. Um, is there anything else? We'll start with Australia, of course. Anything else um, that your organizations are doing to support consumers that maybe you haven't answered and in particular digital compensation digital space support yes thanks denise the theme for um, us this year is recharting 2022 and navigating the new and through that it really is looking at consumer service through the lenses of fairness, the perceptions of fairness and understanding vulnerability. As I said previously, um, the impacts that we've all gone through as a result of the pandemic are not just going to go away. So that is one of the things that we are looking at right through this year and likely beyond what does vulnerability look like for um, a consumer? How do we support consumers who are going through uh, vulnerable um, circumstances? And 
deeper diving through that. How do we overlay and ensure fairness and the perceptions of fairness from the customer's point of view, from the organisation's point of view, are all overlaid as well so that um, each person who is having those interactions are walking away with a service interaction that they are feeling good about, that they understand, they understand the approaches and they understand every element of the service that they've had from that organisation. So there's definitely um, a lot of work that uh, we'll be doing with our members around that perception of fairness. Mm -hmm. Will that be reflected, Fiona, in maybe an upcoming complaints management conference or any training you've got on the on the docket oh, that you want to give a yeah, shout out to? <laughs> oh, absolutely, Denise. So um, this year we've relaunched our certification, our, our SOCAP Complaints Professional Certification Scheme, um, and right through that is driven um, fairness, um, the five key criteria for best practice complaints handling, and a key one of those is around um, fair service and procedural fairness. Um, and right through this year we have a number of events um, which focus on um, fairness, um, delivery of fairness, and of course that all leads up to our major event this year which is our symposium in August and yes we will be in person everything is crossed for that and we are looking forward to that in um, August in Melbourne Victoria this year wow wow is right thank you for for that for that update um Marie anything you want to wrap up or your thoughts around uh, all this digital stuff <laughs> well, we have our upcoming spring symposium in um, Phoenix this year. It'll be in May. And um, one of the things we're going to be focusing on, <clears throat> pardon me, is technology in the consumer affairs um, department. But part of our perspective is the fairness aspect of it in the sense that we have to look at all the technologies. We, we're not going to be um, focused just on the shiny new toy or whatever the hottest new thing is. You can't eliminate all of the other things that work for your consumers. And there's a level of accept acceptance by consumers of each different type of solution. One of the areas we are working on um, with our members is consumer compensation, whether it's actually sending a replacement product to a consumer or you're sending them a digital coupon or you're giving them credit through Zelle or there's so many different means now, but yeah. our goal is to make sure that our consumers have choice and that they, know, they have the options that work best for them so that we can maintain fairness in our practices. Not every consumer is going to have um, access to an account where they can transfer funds in under Zelle. Not every consumer is going to have uh, a, a goal, an ability to take an electronic coupon. Not every consumer is going to want an electronic coupon. So our goal here is understanding all the technology that's out there and then stressing choosing the right things for servicing the consumers that we are working with at the present, at the moment. Excellent, thank you. All right. Well, we have come to the end of the podcast and uh, just really appreciate all of your participation. Thank you, my new colleague, Fiona Brown from SOCAP Australia. Of course, we've got the ever popular Marie Shubin, president of SOCAP. International and John Cox, Senior Consumer Affairs at Wellness Pet. Um, so again, thank you, panel. I, I appreciate everyone's participation.
Thank you, Denise. And we'll look yeah. forward to celebrating with you on March 15th, World Consumer Rights Day. That's right. Very close to my own birthday. Thanks, so it'll be like a double, double celebration. Thanks, Fiona. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.